Thank you, Rowan. Uh, I'm going to ask you to leave your Bibles open there for just a little bit uh, as we, uh, we're going to touch on that and look at that again as we, before we move on to some other scriptures. It's another scripture-heavy uh, Sunday. Um, when we're talking about faith, when we're talking about receiving and believing in Christ, there's not just one place we can go to in scripture and see everything right there, uh, and that's on purpose. Uh, that's so that we learn the entirety of God's word and we're able to see how grand he is uh, and how, how sovereign he is, how powerful and how loving he is all throughout every page of scripture, not just in one page, in one chapter, one verse where we can just go there and find what we need for that moment. But it's there so that we know, so that we realize, so that we learn that his word is sufficient for all areas of all of our life. If you've been here for very long at all, you, you may have picked up on the fact uh, that FBCW isn't like a headlines chaser. We're not looking at the, the local news or the newspaper and then devising sermon series based on, on those, <clears throat> on those hot, hot button issues, on those current events issues. And that's on purpose. That's not by accident. And we're not ignoring because if we were to ignore what's going on in the world, shame on us um, because we have the remedy for what's going on in the world. But on Sunday mornings, we've devoted our time to building up the Word of God, to, 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 to elevating the Word of God, uh, to developing in, 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 in those who worship here this Christ-centered, God-centered worldview that is dictated solely by this book right here and the Spirit who works in us to explain and to, to help us understand this. So that when the, the voices in the world come whispering in or when the voices of the world just come straight up to your door and kick it in, you know where truth lies, and you're able to discern what you should do in this situation. Now, there are times for, 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 for those type of uh, current event series, and we do those from time to time, and we will. This year, we'll do some of those. Um, but we encourage you here, the Sunday morning is just a part of the opportunities we have to be together. We encourage you to be in a care group, a, a small group, because sometimes those groups because of the season of life that those individuals find themselves in. They go through particular studies to help them interact with God's word with what they're faced in their daily life. So please don't miss out on the rich blessing that being in a care group can be. Short-term Bible studies, make sure you're involved with that. Children, parents of children, parents of teens, make sure you're taking full advantage of the men and women that God has led to this place to help you lead and disciple your children and your teens. Don't miss out on those things. Okay. Be here tonight for Flannel Sunday, whatever in the world that is. So at uh, 6 o'clock, I mean, make sure your kiddos are here for that uh, to, to wear their flannel. PJs, I guess, are acceptable, all right? Um, but <clears throat> uh, use things like Right Now Media to help you dig in, all right? Uh, like Mike, Mike shared with you this morning, like reading, reading is not his, his, it's, it's not his strong suit. It's not, where he, it's not his go-to. Music is. Uh, but but I, I appreciate him. I, like he's, he's dedicated himself to, to spending more time in God's word. Do that. Right? Use the resources that are there. Sunday morning is just one of those resources. And we focus typically on Sunday mornings on the word of God and the good news that is God's word. And today, church, that's exactly what we're talking about is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to go back to what Rowan just read to us in Acts chapter 16 and try to put yourself in that story. And whichever character you choose, that's, that's, that's up to you. But can you imagine being that jailer, a Roman 
employee, a, a Roman soldier, and your task for the night, you got the night shift, hey, your task is to make sure that everything goes the way it's supposed to in the, in, in, in the prison, in the jail. Hey, but this earthquake comes and it's violent enough that all the doors are opened up. Hey, so you got, you got to know that it's not just right there, like the, the town is feeling this. Right? And, this, the, and he is to the point of, oh, I, I'm, I'm done. Because I'm going to go, and I don't know if he was taking a nap or something or if he's just making his rounds, but when he realized what had come on, when he was able to quit shaking, right, and he goes and he sees all the prison doors open, he knows what's in store for him. Because it's just part of the price of doing business with Rome, the high accountability. And if you do anything to make Rome look bad, it's on your neck. So as he notices these doors are open and it's dark, right, he pulls his sword. And as a Roman soldier, he would have been able to flash that thing around like a Jedi Knight. But on this day, you got to think that that thing weighed like a 1,000 pounds. Right? And he had that drawn, ready to take his own life because he knew what was in store for him when his commanding officer found out that he was on duty when the prison was emptied. But from the darkness of those cells came a voice. So at least one guy was still there. Paul must have knew that God was up to something in this guy's life because he stayed. So can you imagine the relief, right? There's somebody there. And then Paul says, hey, don't harm yourself. We are all here. you got to imagine that sword had to, it's like a mic drop. Like he just dropped that thing and it clanked. You're all here? Hey, how, how, why? I mean, put yourself in a prisoner set, situation there. Like, I'd have been out that door, but guys. Right? Doors open, middle of the night, earthquake. Thank you, Jesus. Let's go. But because they had been listening to Paul and they wanted more and God had been working in their hearts, that's the only, that's the only ex, the, the, the explanation we have for why the whole prison stayed there is because they were so enthralled with what Paul was sharing with them and the power that came with that message. And they were all there. And the, the, the guard is just beside himself and he calls them sirs. These are prisoners. He doesn't call them dogs or, 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 or inmates. He calls them sirs. What must I do to be saved? And you have to believe right, that as this guy did his rounds, as he made them go to, 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 to chow line and all these things, that he, he had heard Paul preaching and teaching and singing and glorifying God. And he knew there was something different about this guy. And now there was no doubt there's something different about this guy because he's still there. And somehow he convinced all the prisoners to stay there too. Sir, what must I do to be saved? And in that moment, he's asking one question. He's also asking a double question. That what do you have that I don't have because I, 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 I'm ready to end it. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Paul's response, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Perhaps the, the simplest, most straightforward explanation in the Bible of what someone must do to be saved, believe. What would lead a man so entrenched in the Roman way of life, paycheck coming from Rome, identity coming from Rome, prestige coming from Rome. What would lead a man like this to profess a faith in Jesus Christ? Right? He's going to face the same sentence that he just avoided when Paul said, put the sword down. It was going to cost him his life. 
It's going to, at least, not just his reputation, right? He's the one who turned his back on the, the emperor of Rome uh, and chased after this Jesus guy. It wasn't just a reputation thing. Right? It wasn't just a job thing, right? And it even wasn't just his life thing. It was his family's life. You don't mess with Rome. Uh, more recently, a setting is like we, we, we read all the time or uh, on, see on the news. We, we read in papers, um, Voice of the Martyrs uh, website and that, that ministry of people who put their faith. Maybe they're, 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 they're in the Muslim faith and they come to Christ, faith in Christ. And we see often what happens to them. Sometimes they're not allowed back in their home. That's the easy part. Sometimes they're ostracized from their city. Sometimes they're killed. Sometimes their family is killed. That's the same thing that this guy right here was facing. This guy not only put his life on the line, but his entire family's life on the line for the, 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 the name of Jesus Christ. This man and his family believed in the word of the Lord that had been spoken to them, and his life was changed forever. Why? How? Because this faith idea, pistis that we talked about last week, this is a big, big deal. This man, whether he fully grasped it, what was happening to him on that day, had just made the best decision of his life. And he was going to face ramifications. Right? We know that he escaped death, right? at least for a moment. Right? And as we read over in, in, in Philipp, Philippians, right, this guy has to be one of the stalwarts of that early church as that church becomes a favor of the Apostle Paul. But here he is, and he risked the wrath of Rome for the confession of Jesus as Messiah. He turned the, his back on the king of Rome for the king of the universe. Let's look at another section of scripture that teaches us a little bit more and, and digs us deeper. Let's use this as a springboard. Over in John chapter 1. Uh, John chapter 1. John is an amazing book. It starts out in a beautiful way. And uh, whether you realize it or not, you've heard these words before. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it's just amazing, mysterious, supernatural truth that's there. And then we're introduced to this guy named John, John the Baptist, the forerunner of Christ. And then down in verse 9, we switch back to the Word. We switch back to Jesus. And, and in verse number 9, uh, 9 and 10 aren't on the screen, but I'm going to read them anyway. Uh, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. Let's focus on something here in verse 12. But to all who did receive him, comma, who believed in his name. That right there, folks, is called an apposition. Not opposition, apposition. Not two things that are opposed to one another, fighting with one another, but things that support one another. For example, if we were to, like, if I was to walk up to you, Shelby and I were to walk up to you, I would say, hi, my name's Tony Foreman. This is Shelby, comma, my wife. My wife tells you a little bit more about who Shelby is. It's an apposition. Right? Um, when you, my name is Evan Benson. I work for, comma, I work for Hall Financial. 
comma, I play drums at FECW, comma, and da-da-da. All of those things are appositions. They're, they're more clarity on who Evan Benson is. Right? For you sports fans, especially for Brian, who's, who always is serving in the back, it's like saying uh, the, the 1990 world champions, comma, the Cincinnati Reds. Right? The Cincinnati Reds gives clarity to who the 1990 world champions are. That's what's going on here. So what Paul is saying right here is that all who believed him, that is, all who believed in him, those who received him are the ones who believed in him. It's giving clarity to what it means to both receive and believe. Receiving Jesus is one way of describing Jesus' saving way. Believing and receiving in him. Right? By the end of this series, you guys are going to know an entire Greek sentence. Okay? This word receiving is lambano. Right? To, 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 it, it means to believe. It means to receive it. It means to take it. Right? So those who believe are the ones who took a hold of Jesus. Right? They received this gift that was, was given. It's not just an ascent with a mouth. It's like that you're running a play, football fans, you're running a play, quarterback takes a snap, right? he turns and he hands, and that running back clamps down. He receives it, and he runs with it. That's what it means to believe in Jesus. You receive, and you hold on tightly, and you run for all your worth. Receiving Christ, lambano, to receive the Son. To receive the Son is also to receive the Father. And guys, this gets interesting, right? This is amazing, right? Because, and I'm just going to throw some scriptures at you. If you can't write that fast, they're not all in the notes, and you want them later, just let me know. I will give you, uh, and then you're left to interpret uh, whatever this scribble of stuff is here. But uh, just a bunch of verses. Listen to these. Romans 10.30. Since Jesus and the Father are one, receiving Jesus includes receiving the Father. This is the truth behind the statement that's made in John chapter 5 and verse 43. I have come in my Father's name, and you do not receive me. They're linked together. Receiving Jesus in the Father's names means that we receive him. When we receive him, we receive the Father and all that the Father has for us in Jesus Christ. John chapter 13 and verse 20. Whoever receives me receives the one who sent me. You receive the Son, you receive the Father as well. A saving relationship, church, a saving relationship with the Father hangs on receiving Jesus, the Son. Receiving, uh, John 5, 26 tells us that this receiving Jesus is saving because as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life. And 1 John 5, 12 Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son does not have life. Receiving the Son is how we have life. Now, this wasn't just John. This wasn't just Jesus. Paul talks about this all the time, right, about receiving the Son. Uh, in Colossians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, as you received Christ, Jesus the Lord. So walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. As you have received, that's what we're talking about this week, as you, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Guess where we're going next week? Walking in him. When we receive Christ, he also dwells in us. Christ dwells in us through faith. Paul prayed, Ephesians chapter 3, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through 
faith. All believers, Paul says, have, re- have received Christ so that he dwells in us. Romans 8, 9, and 10. Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. Christ is in every believer. It's something that, that Paul said over and over and over in different ways. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. And now the life I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. You can almost sing it. By faith in God's Son, he, Jesus, and the Father live in us, dwell in us. So saving faith is both first receiving. That's what we're talking about this week. And then it's the ongoing work of the Spirit in our lives. That's next week. The receiving nature of saving faith colors every aspect of our Christian life, interior and exterior. God gives, we receive. God gives gifts, we just merely receive them. In Hebrews chapter 13, 21, the the, the Hebrew writer says that, that it is God who is working in us. It's a gift. He's giving us a gift. Even our working, he's, he's pleasing in his sight. And what we do exteriorly and on the, on the outside is also, Paul says, I worked harder than all of you guys. I worked, I worked harder than any of them, though it was not I. But it was the grace of God that is with me. So even what we do outwardly in the way that we love our spouse the way that we love our children, the way that we love the students in our classroom, the way that we we love our employer employees, and the way that we take care of each other is a gift of God. Inward gifts, outward gifts, all from Jesus Christ. When Paul preached this message of salvation, the gospel of salvation to the church in Ephesus, he preached the gospel of the grace of God. He preached about these unsearchable riches of Christ. Think about that phrase for just a second. The unsearchable riches of Christ. I remember my grandpa Foreman trying to explain to me what heaven was going to be like, and he would say, take your favorite place on the planet and take all the good things about that place on the planet and just multiply that, multiply that, multiply that, and you still not to what? The, the goodness of heaven. It's unsearchable. He also used to use that same analogy to scare me about hell, right? Imagine the worst place ever. And for me, it was like third grade spelling class at the time, right? And imagine it's it's worse than that, right? But here, here he's talking about these unsearchable, these unsearchable riches of Christ to receive, unknowable, undiscerned. I mean, so many things that he has heaped upon us. And isn't that what salvation in and of itself is? I mean, we can't understand it. How in the world do you work this out? Why would you want to work this out for us? But he does it, and we don't understand it, but it's just one of those unsearchable, unsearchable riches of Christ. If you flip over to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, you have another amazing verse that talks about what happens to us in that receiving and that believing in Christ. In in Ephesians chapter 1, it says, God has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. He doesn't even stop on earth. In the heavenly realms. Talk about unsearchable in the heavenly realms realms. It can't be overemphasized that all saving faith is receiving Christ 
and all that God has in store for us through him. That moment when you place your faith in Jesus Christ is the most miraculous moment of your entire existence. Man, there's so much that happens in that time. And I wish I could have had the time to go through a complete list and talk about all of them in detail. But I just want to give you a little bit of a, a buffet about some of those unsearchable, right? the, those every spiritual blessings that become ours the moment that we surrender our, our lives to Jesus Christ and we bow a knee to him. Let's, let's, just, let's just go through some of these. Right? At the moment of receiving Christ... Some of those every spiritual blessings that you receive include being born again. John chapter 3 it, it walks us through that. Like, like the, you, no one can come to the Father unless he's born again. Like you, you, were, you were dead, you're alive. That is miraculous. Right? We can't do that. Right? Barely in movies can we do that, to take something dead and make it alive. What can a dead man do for himself? Not a stinking thing. It takes a miracle to make him alive. That happens to us. John chapter 3. You are in Christ, which also means we just read you are in God. Your relationship is restored. What our first parents destroyed in Eden has been restored when you surrender to the Savior of the world. You're, You're a new creation. You're not just a better version. You are a new creation. Brand new. Acts chapter 22, your sins are gone. Your sins are forgiven. I want you to hold on to this because we're going to build on this in the coming weeks. The consequences of your sin are no longer held against you. You are free from them. So every sin that you've committed, whether it's itty-bitty or whether it's humongous, the consequences for those sins have been forgiven by the Savior of the world, who also is going to be your judge one day. You possessed Christ's righteousness, we see in Romans chapter 4, right? Christ's righteousness, perfect, described as white. What's our righteousness? Right? It's, Paul describes it as filthy rags. We, do, we, we take off our filthy rags and we are given a robe of white. Christ's righteousness is ours when he saves us. Second Peter chapter 2 and verse Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3, he reminds us that we have everything we need for life and godliness. We don't need to go walk into the library and pull another book off the shelf to, to, to supplement what we get in Jesus. No, what we get in Jesus is sufficient for it all. Everything we need for life and godliness is there. And because we have, still have trouble discerning that, he gives us his spirit. That's part of him living in us. Right? We have his spirit living in us. Um, Colossians chapter 1 and verse 3 tells us we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, a marvelous, a glorious light. No longer do we have to wonder about what's, what's, what's lurking around in the darkness because we live in a different kingdom. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 and 4 said that we're no longer a, a child of death, but we are a beloved son or daughter of God. Related to that, John chapter 3 says that we are no longer objects of God's wrath, but we are objects of his favor. Now, I want you to picture just how scary it would to be the one standing in line for the wrath of God. Right? And how, 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 I mean, that would drive you to, to, where, to, to where that Philippian jailer was, to fear and like, like what's, what's the future is not good. And, but then imagine 
being wrapped up in the arms of a loving father, being found in his favor. And Jesus' spirit again dwells in you. Acts 10, 1 Corinthians 12, all over the New Testament. Jesus dwells in you. He had the audacity one day to say to those closest to him, it's better that I go because if I don't go, the helper can't come. And I want you to think about that. Man, would it not be cool to have Jesus, the son of God, walking beside you for three and a half years? That's pretty cool. But he says, I got something better than that. I'm not just going to be walking beside you, holding your hand. I'm going to be inside of you directing every aspect of your life. The Spirit of God is in you. And John 14, 2 tells us that Jesus is preparing a place for you. He's gone in heaven and he's getting it ready for you. Whether that's when he calls your number, calls your name individually, or whether he's sent by the Father to come reclaim his bride, he is making a place for you. 1 Peter chapter 1 reminds us that we have this unbelievable destination an inheritance secured for us that cannot be diminished, that cannot be taken from you. A new creation, Jesus living in you, the righteousness of Christ, a son or a daughter of God most high, all of those things, imperfect list, incomplete list. But isn't that better than every birthday gift, graduation, wedding, Christmas, all combined up into one? Now, I remember... Like, I, I remember being a kid, and you make out the Christmas list, and you know. You, you, you put something on there, you know somebody's going to get that for you. Okay? Everybody in my family knows that I was the favorite grandkid. No doubt, Bert. There was, I mean, we could debate it, but it would be wasted words. Everybody knew that Tony Foreman was Juanita and Clarence's favorite grandkid. And it was, I mean, is there any... I mean, we can debate the reasons, but really, is there any reason, reason, right? But I knew that if I asked for something, like that I was going to get it. And I know when you have like a Christmas party or a birthday party, your parents tell you, now be nice and be appreciative of all the gifts. Make sure you say thank you. Yeah, whatever. Right? When I saw Grandpa, when I saw Grandma walk in the door holding that gift, <laughs> that's the right size gift. Right? You make a beeline for that person. And you take that gift. Now, you're ignoring all the other things. I don't need more pairs of thought, socks. Thank you, Aunt Sharon. Right? Thank you for the knitted beanie. That's going to be cute. I'll appreciate that in 15 years. But Grandpa has the gift. And you run and you take that gift and you unpack it right? and you enjoy it and you cherish it. That, church, is what we should be acting like with the gift that is given to us by Jesus Christ. Right? running to him, dead on sprint, ready to tackle and take that and rip it open and enjoy it. I want you to think about this for a second. 2 Corinthians 5.21 uh, has to be one of the most powerful, amazing verses in all of Scripture. God made him who had no sin to be sin so that we might receive, so that we might become the righteousness of God. Think about that for a second. God took Jesus, perfect, to be sin for us so that we could be like Jesus, to receive his righteousness. Right? There's this amazing verse in, in Romans chapter 3. It uses that big, long, churchy word, propitiation, right? where, where it's talking about God has passed over and God has, but, but, but he says, here's the deal. He said, I, here's my righteousness, it's yours. 
And in at the bottom of that, in, in verse number 20, 25 and into 26, it was to show that the righteousness at this present time, might, so that we might see him as the just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. He is the one who justifies us. He has this gift that he's wanting to give us. All we have to do is receive us. And when we receive it, we are his. Lock, stock, and barrel. And if we are all his, you know what that means? We don't belong to anybody else. You know what that means? We don't belong to Satan. He no longer has a claim over us. You don't believe me? Go read in John chapter 14. Jesus, Jesus warns us in verse 30 that, that uh, the, 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 the ruler of this world is coming, talking about Satan. But, church, he has no claim on you ever because you belong to God most high. The only way for us to return to the Father is through receiving the Son. Not through any sacrament or other avenue, not being good enough. It's only by believing in the Son, receiving the Son. In the moment of your belief, you're saved. You're saved from the consequences of your sin. The moment you surrender to the Son of God, the King of kings, the Prince of peace, the Savior of the world, you, the moment you surrender to him, you are separated from everything else and you cling to him only. He holds you. He holds the deed to your life. He holds the keys to your life. He holds your inheritance in his hands. And when you surrender, you become a forgiven son of the God most high. This morning, for those of you who have professed a faith in Jesus Christ, have you forgotten just how precious the gift is? Have you forgotten just how far-reaching the gift of receiving Jesus Christ is? Are you letting Satan cling to some influence in your life when he ought not have any because you belong to God? Are, are you forgetting? Are you walking around with your shoulders hunched over because you, you carry this weight of unrighteousness and you're trying to put back on that filthy rag when you should be walking around boldly Right, professing Jesus because you're wearing his righteousness and you're secure in where you are going? Are you, have you forgotten that you have the power of the Spirit living in you, waiting to lead you into all things that you need for life and godliness? If you're a believer this morning, you forgot any aspect of the gift that has been given to you. I pray that you cling to that. Right? Dig into that. Let us ask the Spirit just to ground you in that so that you can come out bold. This morning, if you're in this room and you haven't placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you, if you have heard this whisper, if you have heard this voice saying, hey, you ought to pay attention, and you've rejected it, you've ignored it, I surrender to that. Let the Holy Spirit lead you into a saving relationship so that you can run to your Father and grab that gift and tear it open and enjoy all that is yours in his Son.